Okay, hey everybody. I am so excited to introduce to you today uh, Kevin and Bree Bailey. They caught my eye on social media, and it sounds like they have a really incredible testimony, a great story about marriage. They've been married 20 years as of this last year, but in the first 12 years of their marriage, they started having trouble. They went through seven years of counseling that they said did not work, and they decided to go through a divorce, go through with a divorce. They were separated for 10 months. They spent almost $100,000 on divorce proceedings. And after they sat down and did their depositions, the divorce was going to be final within a week. And then Kevin called Breely. <laughs> Kevin called Breely. Kevin called Bree. And what happened, Kevin? What, where, how, why'd you change your mind? Yeah, so during that time, we were separated for 10 months. And during that period, when I filed for divorce, we were at wit's ends. We had spent the seven years, like you mentioned, in counseling. And it wasn't so much that the counseling didn't work. It was just more, we weren't in the right frame of mind. And we weren't really taking the advice that they were giving us. And I made the decision to just go on a path of say, I'm done. We've tried everything. There's nothing more to do. We've, we had talked about divorce in the past. So I made up my mind and said, I'm just going to move on with my life without my wife and we'll figure out how to make our lives work. Throughout that period, Bree took a path of, I'm going to just really press into getting to know the Lord. She built a relationship with Jesus during that time and I built a relationship with the world. So <laughs> we were on two different paths hmm. and Bree just kind of slowly started planting seeds by the things that her mentors had taught her, what God's word had taught her. And as she was saying things to me, when we would, the only time we would talk is when we would transition the kids. We really had no communication during that time frame, other than those little blips of, hey, we're going to pass the kids back and forth. And she just started to say things like, hey, please forgive me for the time that I spent money without talking to you beforehand. Please forgive me for just these things that had created so much tension in our marriage up to this point. So she was planting seeds. And then of course, April Fool's Day of all days, because men are so good at planning things out. <laughs> I reached out to her the night before and said, hey, can we sit down and have a conversation? We had gone through the deposition period. And really, in that moment was one of those times where, for the first time, I kind of saw the disarray and the chaos that had been created in our family up to that point. Our, our whole life was kind of scattered across these tables with attorneys on two sides, somebody taking notes in the corner. I'm seeing... In the past, I had always been the one to kind of do our household things, the finances, and just keep things a little bit more organized on the backside of what we had done. And I saw this woman across from me that I had just left in, in chaos. Wow. I mean, her finances weren't in order because that wasn't her priority during that time. It was really fighting for our marriage. Mm -hmm. So things were scattered out. I could tell that she was frustrated in that. And I'm like, okay, this stinks. Like, this isn't <laughs> what I expected it to look like. But I was still going to go along my path, right? I still had pretty much two feet in, in the in the world. But April Fool's Day, I'd reached out to her the day before on her birthday, sent a note to her, said happy birthday on March 31st. And we agreed to sit down and talk. And I didn't really know what that was going to look like. But she said, yes, let's meet. We sat down at a Panera Bread. And I just looked at her and I said, I am so sorry for the pain that I've caused our family. Wow. wow. And her first words were, I forgive you. And in that moment, I'm just like, how does this person forgive me? And I, I just, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't even really yeah. know what it meant yet. I, I didn't have the knowledge to know what that meant. I just knew that it was a powerful word 
And the fact that she was saying, I forgive you, I'm like, okay. And Bree said, I want to put our family back together, but I'm only going to do it if we can put God at the center of it. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, me too, but I don't even know what that looks yeah. like. Mm-hmm. And okay. I don't even know where to begin. So let's, that's it. Let's pause yeah. real quick right there. I want to come back to that because I really, I'm sure. really interested in how you had a change of heart. But let's, yep. let's go back to the very beginning when you guys first met. How did you yep. meet? We met through some mutual friends. Yeah. Okay. He was a nursing student and they brought <laughs> us together. We just connected at a, at a party and started, I have the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you tell yeah. it. How no. old were you? How old were you? I oh. was 20. I was okay. 20 and Kevin was just 22. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so you met at a party. Mm-hmm. Okay. So friends introduced you and what, yep. so Kevin, real quick, I want to hear from yep. you, Bree, but when you saw Bree, what, what was that to you? Like, was it an instant? Oh, I'm attracted to her or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been a long time and age doesn't help with the memory, but uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, I saw her right away and, and I knew that I really, um, I was drawn to her. I was in a crazy season of life. Like I had, I had done everything. I partied really hard um, career focused. And I knew I didn't want to get off track by this time. I, I was already established in the career that I was starting at that time. So I had a full-time job. I was taking night classes, but I was doing a lot of really bad things, using a lot of drugs, just really in a bad spot. And Bree had a, 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 a two-year-old from a previous relationship. So there was something that drew me to the fact of like, here's somebody that's responsible and I wanted to kind of get out of the world that I was living in. So I was intrigued by that. I knew that I needed help. I just didn't know where I needed it from. So I thought like, okay, this person seems to have their life on track, um, more of a straight, narrow person than me. <laughs> and I was I was just attracted to her. Okay. And so, Bree, yeah. what happened? What happened with your first yes. conversation? Do you remember? Well, the like first what? Yeah, the, the first conversation that night really wasn't any big deal. There were a bunch of people there, and I was really the new person for the girls and the boys, right? I knew my one friend. But really, we just kind of kept running into each other. Mm-hmm. I thought he was cute. And so I remember we just kind of kept running into each other. And we had mutual friends. And so really, after a couple months of just texting and meeting up here and there, we went on our first date, which was a costume party, which was bizarre. <laughs> but we, we kind of were like, okay, we like each other. Yeah. Let's just like take it slow. And within a couple months, we were in love and... Oh really kind of talking about our future, even though we were both in school and we're just kind of taking things slow, but it felt easy. Everything felt easy about our relationship. So Kevin, what was it about Brie that made you decide you were going to forsake all other women and marry this girl? (laughs) Yeah, we had, we had a great relationship and I, I loved the woman that she was. I love that she had worked so hard, raised a child while going through school and just seemed to be of the same mindset of me. Like, let's do life. Like, let's grow a family together. And we, we were, we were really, we were great friends. I mean, one of the things that we said in our wedding video is that I really wanted to have a best friend. Um, At that time, I didn't know that I dealt with insecurity as bad as I do. So she brought me security in those moments. Mm. And I just knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. Um, at least I thought I did at that moment. I, yeah. I didn't know that I was going to get so wrapped up in other stuff. But in that moment, I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And Bree, what was it about Kevin for you that you said, oh. okay, this is the man that I'm going to marry. He's going to be the father of my children. Yep. What was it? 
What about him? You know, he just seems solid. You know, he didn't care. He didn't think differently of me that I had a two-year-old when we met. Um, he was a provider. He was a hard worker. And you did have things in order. I know you were coming yeah. off of that crazy season, you know, immaturity maybe, but he loved me. He made me feel safe and secure. And I needed that because it was such a hard time. I was in nursing school and, you know, just not sure of my future. And I wanted to spend the rest of my life with him too. So now after you got married, Kevin, did, were you still, did you have fun one foot in the party world still, or did you put that away and say, okay, now I'm yeah. responsible yeah. husband, father. <laughs> mm -hmm. For the most part, right? Like I, I had started to kind of remove some of those relationships because we were focused on us. I mean, we were newlyweds, so we spent all of our time together, but when we didn't have our daughter at the time, we would go out and party still, but I had started to kind of change my lifestyle a little bit. I wasn't doing drugs at that point anymore. I'd moved away from all of that. I knew that if I wanted to be with her, I was going to have to clean up that part of my life. So I did right away. And yeah, for the most part, I, I put it all to the side, but we still had fun. We still went out and made some bad choices and had a good yeah. time. But um, ultimately, we didn't know where it was going to lead us to. But I always felt safe with him. Yeah. Even when we would be out and doing silly things that 23, 24, 25-year-olds do, I always felt safe with him, you know, protected, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I never yeah. actually knew about his wild, wild past oh. until the years that kind of went on because he kind of shielded that from me. Yeah. And it was never an issue. Yeah. Okay. So five years, fast forward five years, because you said you... Um, went to counseling for seven years after, be, I'm assuming, being married five years. And then it was at the, what made you go into counseling after five years? What was happening? What, like, were there certain needs that you had, Bree, that weren't getting met or certain needs you had, Kevin, that weren't getting met? And what were those needs? Yeah, I, you know, have been a nurse for a long time. And I do believe in therapy and having outside help. And we had just had some issues that we couldn't resolve, whether it was conflicts or whether it was communication. Um, it never really was intimacy from the physical, but I would say emotional. We just kind of felt separate. And I had a couple referrals from a friend and said, from a couple friends. And so I was like, we got to go to this guy. He's helping them with their marriage. You know, we've had fights and arguments that we would threaten the word divorce mm. every once in a while. And we both were like, we actually don't want that. Let's go see this guy. So that's really why, And you know, he obliged, wasn't happy about it, didn't want to take time off of work. Uh, but insurance covered it, you know, for the first 10 visits, copay. And so let's go. So do you feel like you just, you were at a standstill, like you just, the, you couldn't resolve the conflict? Like right. there was, was the communication breaking down or is there something that you can pinpoint? Was it just, was it pride? Was it ego? You know, what was it? Because couples, a lot of times, you know, they get married, they're in love, they, you know, they feel like they're in ecstasy. And then just a few years down the road, all of a sudden, they're becoming enemies. You know, what is that? Mm -hmm. what, what would you say is the, if there was one thing, and it's probably like, I think you had said, Brie, when we talked, it was a, a million little paper cuts. It's like yep. all the little things that you just keep putting, you know, sliding under the rug, sweeping under the carpet and not mm -hmm. dealing with. And then it pops up, it pops up and it's unresolved. 
Was there one particular area or point of contention for you guys? Yeah, it wasn't really one thing. It really was that death by a thousand paper cuts. I mean, we okay. just, we were living life in the world. Everything on the outside looked mm-hmm. great. Everything on the inside was not. So we could step outside of our front door and we could put ourselves together. We would look great. People would say, oh, this is, you guys have so much going on. You're building a life. You're, you're advancing in your career. But we would close that door and it would be an entirely different conversation. We struggled with all of the things that every couple, couple str- struggles mm-hmm. with we didn't know how to resolve them in those moments. We didn't know how to fight fair. We didn't know how to use one person's weaknesses so that it would be a strength of mine. We weren't competing one another. We were really competing against one another in everything we did. I'm chasing a career. Bree's got more of the hourly career as a nurse. And when time needed to be off for the kids, it was like, well, that's your job, not my job. Mm -hmm. I've got to go work because I'm providing. We didn't have the tools to be able to know how to be married because it's hard. We just didn't know how to do it. So counseling was the next best option for us. But we found out very early on that that was more of a behavior modification and didn't really get to the root causes of the things that you mentioned, pride, ego, insecurity, mm-hmm. abandonment issues for Brie. We didn't know that. We came into these mar- into these marriages with two suitcases full of junk, and we yep. never unpacked them before we came in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So growing up, did you have good modeling? Like were your parents, did they have a good marriage, Kevin? Yeah, they did. They did? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They were both married. My father passed away during our separation. Um, Bree's father passed away at a fairly early Mm -hmm. age, but both of our, I would say our parents' marriages were very similar. Um, Everything was good. They didn't argue a lot. Both were stayed married until our, both of our fathers passed away. But it wasn't that that God-centered relationship. The, 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 we never had that true foundational, this is what God says about marriage. Yeah. Let's do it this way and see how that's going to work out for us. We just didn't have that role model. It was, it was a traditional marriage. Things were good. Yeah. We don't talk about our problems. Let's handle them in-house. Let's not get help for them. But our parents were both in love and stayed married. We didn't come from divorced or broken families. Yeah. Um, just not what we expected and not what we knew was God's best for us. Yeah, and I would say to add to that, it's it's so interesting because I look back and it'll be interesting to see what our kids Golly. say about our marriage, you know, yeah. in 20 years, what they remember, because hindsight is a little bit different, but we both grew up in Christian homes, mm-hmm. went to church every Sunday, did the things that we were supposed to do. We realized later in life that we were both a little bit rebellious, you know, so we would do things and then we'd go to church because we had to. But our relationship with Jesus didn't grow until the chaos hit. And so, um, but growing up, you know, we had pretty great childhoods, didn't really want for a lot of things, nothing extravagant, but... You know, it, we didn't it, come from, like you said, that brokenness that one would think going through our chaos. It seems that a lot of times it takes a crisis for people to mm. turn back to God and to really get into Him. Because the way you described, you know, your relationship with God growing up, I can relate to that. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I knew all about Jesus, but it's almost like we all know all about Oprah, but we don't know her <laughs> personally, right? Right. So true. I knew all yeah. about Him, but I didn't have a personal, intimate connection with him until I was 18. And so for you, Bree, you're, you're separated, you're in crisis. You decided, mm-hmm. okay, I need to get to church. And did you go to a new church? Was it a church you had already been going mm-hmm. to? Like what, what changed when you started going and getting very serious about God? 
How did that change? That's a great question. Before that's, you answer that, I'm stealing that Oprah line. That's that's money. <laughs> so I have actually heard that about Michael Jordan too. You know, so oh, yeah. and so knows yeah, Michael Jordan. Everybody knows yeah. Michael Jordan. You yeah. know, so whoever it is, but gosh, do you really know his? you know, everything. It's like, yeah. no, I know of him. Yep. But of him. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. To answer your question, we had been going to a church that we chose when we moved into town because that's the church, you know, similar church that we went to in the previous town before we moved. And um, we never really got involved with it. Mm-hmm. The kids would go to Sunday school and we would go because we felt better. I always kind of say it. We felt yeah. better if we went to church. Yeah. We would listen to the sermon, sing the hymns, and then we would be like, okay, we're cute, so let's go to brunch with our kids on Sunday, and then we'll do the whole thing back around. So I had reached out to the church that I was going to and had a little bit of a support there. Uh, They didn't know me, you know, but they did support me, but they offered divorce care. And I was really upset because I thought, I don't want divorce. I don't know what I can do, but I need something. And a friend of mine had offered to go to a non-denominational church with me. And I said, okay. So we went and I liked it. I liked the flow of it. It was completely different. Uh, Bible teaching though. And so she said, I love that you came today, but you got to come back when this other pastor is is teaching. And so I was like, okay. So the day that she invited me, I was like, let me just go to my church and pray for a few minutes and then we'll come. So I had taken our middle kiddo with me and the message was on point for my situation. Um, The pastor was incredible in talking about how if you're a mom in here going through a difficult situation, God is for you. Don't give up. Your kids may not remember the season, but they will remember how how you're getting through it. And if you want to accept Christ, come up. And I was like, I'm going. And I even told the pastor's wife, I said, I don't know if I need to accept Christ because I'm a good person and I've been a Christian all my life. And she really impressed upon me what it meant to give your life to Christ and surrender and trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. God had kind of been pursuing me the last couple of months prior to that, but we were just about two months into our separation. I was desperate. And so in a heap of tears, I accepted Christ and, um, you know, really just was like, okay, now what? And so I had encouragement to start a join a Bible study and just learn baby yeah. steps. And so it was a new church. And then in the meantime, I joined the church that we're at now, uh, which is another non-denominational Bible teaching church and really the foundation of our marriage, our relationship now. Okay. So fast forward, you, you, you're still going through with the divorce because, but you're in church now and Kevin, you weren't yet. No. Right. So, and you're separated. And so you're going through with the divorce. You fill out the deposition. You said that was really, really mm-hmm. um, very hard, right? Yeah. When you sat down with your lawyers. And yep. then, was it a day after, two days after, Kevin, you called Bree? Why? <laughs> the deposition day, it was. It was another day. I was planning on just showing up, being cold hearted, um, just really putting down the law, being stone faced and just not willing to budge on anything. But as I saw those things scatter, our life scattered across the table, it was just, a, it was such a pivotal moment for me to be like, okay. And then the, the time frame from then, I think that was St. Patrick's Day, maybe that. It was a couple of days after. Yeah, yeah, so there was probably about a two-week lag between that deposition and the time that I actually called to reach out to say, let's let's try this again. 
So what changed your mind? What changed your heart? Why'd you reach out? Prayer. Really? Prayer from, from her. Right. Yeah, because you weren't praying. No, no, no. <laughs> you had to be the prayers of Brie, right? A hundred percent agree in the, in the, the people that she had surrounded herself mm-hmm. with. I mean, there's, there's no other explanation. That's a, it's a miracle, right? Like wow. if, if we think for one second that God doesn't still perform miracles, this was a miracle. Us being That's together scary. is truly a miracle of the Lord, because there was nothing that I was doing that would say, go back. Wow. And, and it was truly just these lit, like, I didn't think back in those moments. Well, she asked for forgiveness here. There was none of that. It was like, hmm. all right, I'm going to reach out and we're going to see what happens. And then the Lord had been planting seeds and people had been watering the seeds. And then it was God's time to show up and start growing that thing. Wow. So, okay. So you met that day and was it that day you said, did you both say, okay, we don't want this or let's move back in together. What happened? No, I was in an apartment. Um, I had somebody living with me. I had started another relationship. So I had I had another person living with me. And we made the decision that day to figure out, to at least start pursuing this new relationship, figure out what it looks like to start putting our marriage back together. Like I said, we had no idea what that was going to look like. Yeah. So this was on a Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. I had the kids that weekend. Just to tell you how awkward it was. Okay, so we're sitting in Panera Bread. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not, you know, it's the normal Panera. And we're sitting there and he sits down and I had already told my Bible study group to be praying, some of my friends to be praying, like, you know, and I learned how to pray those go get him God prayers, like go get him, take him down. <laughs> I I want a new marriage with the same spouse. And I had no idea what to expect. I didn't think it was going to go this way. And when he sat down, something in his face was different. And I had seen some really harshness in the months prior. One incident in particular where it was a little scary at times, not because he had abused or anything like that, but there was just something in his face. It was dark and it was, it was the enemy face to face. And um, of course I didn't tell him that because then he would have thought that I was even more nuts. But now, but, but now we both are like, yeah. yeah. And so that day when he sat down, something was different in his, in his face and he had some tears in his eyes, and he did. He said, I'm so sorry for all the pain I've caused our family. Yeah. And my, I had been practicing, I'd been re, not rehearsing, but just learning. And I don't know why that came out. I forgive you, but that was my immediate response. Mm. And um, that really set the tone, I think, for the rest of the conversation. But yeah. then we're ugly crying, oh snot gosh. bubbles. Our neighbor... <laughs> Our, our neighbor's daughter, who was a friend of our oldest, she came walking in for, for lunchtime, and I'm sure she was like, here they go again. <laughs> and we just didn't care. So we decide we're going to work on our marriage. We don't know how to do it. I know who I can call. And it was my mentor who had been you know, just coaching and, and mentoring me. And so I walk outside. We kind of do this awkward like yeah. hug. Like- like, okay, see ya. <laughs> let's make a plan. And my good friend who had invited me to church and who was battling, again, not loving things that Kevin was doing, but who was saying, I'm going to fight for your marriage with you. She mm-hmm. was in the parking lot. She didn't know I was still there. She put the window down and she looks at me and she's like, oh my gosh, oh my God. <laughs> she's so excited. And so she witnessed that 
Um, and then that was Friday night. We had some things with the kids. It was his weekend. Yep. And then take us to Sunday. Yeah, Sunday morning rolls around and um, we had had that conversation Friday. We had started texting and just kind of figuring out what this was going to look like. Not in depth, right? We didn't know yet. But we had stayed in communication. Sunday morning rolls around and I'm doing the normal Sunday morning thing. When I have the kids, I'm up and I'm putting pork chops on the grill and I'm getting ready to make breakfast. One kid's jumping around on the couch watching cartoons. And in our previous church life, church was at 8 and 11 or whatever. I remember, yeah. And so I'm thinking that she's still going to that church or at least part of that. I'm like, I'm going to join you for church. And it's like 8 o'clock in the morning. Found out where the church was, drove over there, and I walk into a high school, and there is people are. It's, it was kind of like a parade, right? Like she had told everybody that I'm coming. So, <laughs> well, I told a couple people. I told a couple people, and they told some people because some I had made friends there, and yeah. so they knew our situation. Yeah. So people knew. I didn't know this at this time, but I walk in, and there's people all around. I walk through this back entrance way because the front entrance is under construction. And I hear music just blaring and people are going crazy, hands in the air, like everything you expect to see at a worship encounter, that's going on. And I'm like, what have I just walked into? <laughs> All right, we're going to figure it out. And of course, some people had saved some seats for us. So we're a couple rows back on the, on the left-hand side and we're up front. And I'm like, All right, we'll just get through this. Like I'm here. There was peace in that moment right away, just like. So a piece I'd never felt before, but I didn't really necessarily know that it was peace yet. I just knew that like, there's something about this that's different. Yeah. And, and then the message started. It was John four. Um, so the woman at the well and how Jesus had to go through Samaria. And I am just hearing these things. It, so grown up, like Bree said, grown up in church, right? This is the gospel according to Mark. I had heard that a million times, right? Right, right. Yeah. And um, I heard the gospel message for the very first time that I actually heard it. It, oh it was, gosh. I had never, I never, I never knew anything about Jesus's ministry. Hmm. I didn't know what the gospel represented. And here it was in this 30 to 35 minute window where I met Jesus. And getting emotional just because it's so cool. I, I have goosebumps. Um, yeah, I know. It's emotional. Yeah, it's just so cool when you meet him face to face. Not not literally, but um, figuratively. It's just such a powerful moment because I'm hearing, and I, I'm actually hearing God's word in a very simple way. He used words like legacy, how you've always had everything you've ever desired, but there's still a hole in your heart. Um, how we're thirsting for more. The woman at the well was a perfect message. You don't have one husband. In fact, you've had five. Yeah. I had been in, caught in adultery, right? And made a lot of bad decisions in, in, in that portion of my life. And I'm just, I heard the word legacy defined in a way about the, the culture, the family, the things that we leave behind that really matter, not the houses, not the cars, not the expensive things, not the materialistic things, but the true legacy, and I'm like, I, I need more. Wow. There's more hope for what I'm doing. I mean, it was just a remarkable experience. And then when he did the altar call, by this time I'm crying and I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat oh. and I'm captivated by every word. Yeah. And I'm just, 
I'm hearing about Jesus and I'm like, I want to know this man. I want to meet him more and I want to spend more time with him. And I'm bawling. And then he does the altar call and I look over at Bree and I'm like, I want to go up there. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, will you go with me? And, and I I'm go, like, yeah. and I go up and of course they clap when everybody goes up and yeah. I go up and, and I just, I leave it at the altar, man. I, I, I yeah. ball, I cry. I mean, I'm hysterically crying. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. And it was that moment, right? Like, you know, when you, when they're speaking to you, my heart's racing, I'm sweating. I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, there's Velcro to my seat. I don't want to get up, but I'm like, what if this is my only chance? And at that point, I didn't know that like that Jesus was the bridge between between earth and heaven. I didn't know that part yet. I just knew that I wanted to meet this man more mm -hmm. and I wanted to spend more time with him. So I went up and I, I left it all at the altar, um, went into the little NICU unit, new in Christ unit afterwards and bawling and bawling and bawling and just yeah. overwhelmed. And immediately the church welcomed me. Mm. Yes. Um, not to be too crazy, but like they, they were very quick at like, hey, let's get you plugged into a small group because yeah. it's big at our yeah. church. Like to to lead somebody to Christ and then walk away from them and not have discipleship right. is cr cruel, right? So they're yeah. like, hey, let's keep yeah. you connected. And I, I accepted the invitation to, to join a small group right away. That was very yeah. important in that portion of our life because I had one of my biggest fears at that moment was, am I going to lose everything I've worked so hard for? Yeah. In my in my lack of knowledge, I thought this meant I was turning in my cool card and now I was going to be this Christian dork that right. just prayed about everything and did nothing practical. And that's one of the things I said to Bree. I'm like, that's does true. this mean we're just going to sit around and pray now and we're not actually going to work for things? <laughs> and fun anymore? And yeah. Are we going to have fun anymore? <laughs> but uh, I left it all there. And then we we connected for about an hour afterwards. I made the decision on that Sunday that I was going to reach out to the person that was living with me on Monday and let them know that they had to move out. Wow. And um, I did that. Was not easy. One of the biggest mistakes we made was that I kept my apartment from mm -hmm. March until November. I was kind of living two lives still trying to figure out like one foot in, one foot out, walking mm -hmm. on the fence, right? Um, and I, we found out later that the, the fence is the enemy's line. Like you got to make that decision to go all in. So... Mm -hmm. We did. You know what's so cool about that? Because so many people will say, um, you know, if I start going to church, then I'm going to have to give up things. I, and I said that when I before I got yeah. saved. I said I like my lifestyle. I was yep. in the party <laughs> lifestyle. I yes. like my life. It's going good. I was in college. I and the person that was witnessing to me said, "You don't have to give up anything." And I went, mm. "What?" She goes, "You don't have to change a thing." And I, I was like, "I don't." She goes, "No." She goes, "Once you accept." the Lord, he makes the changes. Yep. And I was so like, true. well, let's test that out. We'll see. And I did. I accepted the Lord and I thought, but I'm not, I'm going to still live my life. And little by little, my life just began to change. And for you that you had a true spiritual conversion, like an yep. experience Absolutely. with God. You weren't you didn't even want to go to the altar, but he was pulling. It's like the spirit of God was pulling you, luring you. Yeah. Lord, you didn't do it. He did it, which is so sure. awesome. I love hearing that. And I think it's so good for people to know that, that God is real. There is yes. power in prayer and having multiple people around standing with you, Bree, standing mm -hmm. with you, fighting for your marriage with you. And you gave up 
the power. You gave up control, Bree. And we, yeah. I can't tell you how many people have come to our church going, wait, your husband's not here today. I brought a friend. He has to hear your husband. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But the message that God, mm. you know, speaks through that, whoever the pastor is that day, always fits. It, it just, yep. it always fits. So God's in control. We don't have to control everything. But that is, I love that. Okay, so you got back together, moved to back in together after how long from the time yeah. you accepted the Lord to the time you got back in the home? How long was yeah, that? Yeah, we, we started it right away, right? Like I would stay there once in a while. I think I stayed there pretty much every night. I mean, once in a while, I might still stay at the apartment. You you probably know that story better than he I He didn't stay very often. Okay, maybe. And I, <laughs> and I think it's because he was freaked out. Yeah. And you know what? I don't remember, but I probably was, I, I know I was battling pressuring him yep. or releasing it to God, giving yeah. him hints or releasing it to God because we had kind of said, I don't want to go back to the same marriage. Yeah. We cannot go back to the same way. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the th- same thing over and over and expecting a different right. result. And we could not do that again. We couldn't do it to our kids. We couldn't do it to each other. Yeah. And we really wanted it to work. And so we never had like, you have to move in. I had a lot of wise counsel. I I had worked with this couple, mainly the wife with her ministry. And um, she, you know, she was teaching me what it meant to be really, lack of better terms, but sinful or, you know, surrendered to God. And that's, the one decision, but it's every little day that mm-hmm. we can choose whether we're going to want our way or God's way, Yahweh, right. Right? right? And so I was learning. I made a lot of mistakes. I remember um, at, at least one point we had gone through their marriage curriculum, their their marriage plan, where it was an intensive. Um, I had gone through it with her the summer before. That's where I was learning the forgiveness and learning the ways that I had contributed to the breakdown of our marriage. It was way easier pointing to his flaws and throwing those in his face to say it was the infidelity, to say it was the lies, all these yucky things. I even texted him and I had just learned about pride and I was like, you're so prideful. And then I was like, that doesn't sound very good. And he responded in his ugliness. So are you. (laughs) So we had these things that we were battling through. Yeah. working through, but I knew I needed to reach out to them. And so on that April Fool's Day, if we could rewind, I did get in the car and I was bawling and I called her right away. She put me on speakerphone and she was like, are you, she was crying. She was like, are you kidding me? This is April Fool's. Are you joking? And I was like, no, I swear I'm not. This really happened. And her husband had the wisdom together. They said, do not force him to break it off with the other girl. He has to do that on his own. And I thought, you're crazy. I am not (laughs) doing this again. But I was smart enough to listen and to heed their advice. And again, we made a lot of mistakes. But I remember after our intensive where we laid everything out on the table, we went through the same program that I went through, but we got to do it together. I learned that he pointed out some things that weren't pretty about me. And I had an opportunity to grow as well. And one night when we were arguing and had a blow up about some things, I yelled from our bedroom, you're supposed to lead me spiritually and you're not. (laughs) And he, that did not go over well. (laughs) And so every little chance God had so much grace for us for us to come back together and say, this is how we would have 
handled that in the past. We're not doing that this time. Yeah. And yeah. so there was just a lot that we were both learning through. I'm sorry okay. I forgot the question. No, no, I, I want to ask this. So what... Can you give me one, maybe one or two things, a question for both of you? Like what, Brie, were you doing that led to the breakup that you're not doing mm. now? Oh. Like, was there one How thing that I always did this that now I don't do that anymore? Or can you yeah. think of that, anything? For sure. Number one, Jesus as my as my center, as my number one. He is my number one. Um really trusting in him. So that aside, making Kevin the next best thing. I had really struggled throughout our relationship, placing my friends in a different priority or placing, you know, placing different things. My priorities weren't in order. And to, I had really failed Kevin throughout our marriage by not learning what true respect looks like. It's not about getting my way, but it's letting him lead. I didn't know that. It was, you know, you hear kind of with your friends or society that you need to be equal and you, you know, need to do all these things. And that's true, but there's a biblical order that works so beautifully and we just didn't know it. So my priorities were off. Um, I didn't have a lot of privacy. I, I share, I'm an open book and I did, I had a, I didn't have a guardrail or a boundary when we would discuss things. I would share it with my friends and he felt very betrayed on issues little and big and that really shut him down from wanting to share more things sure. because I had broken that that trust. Sure. Those are probably the two biggest things yeah. I would okay. say. And what about you, Kevin? Is there anything that you have changed that you used to do that you don't do now? Yeah, for me, it took a minute. So as we reconciled and started to put our marriage back together, part of the reason why we weren't able to fully do that within the first 18 months or so was I was still struggling and I couldn't figure out why. Like I allowed Mm. Jesus into my life, but things just weren't going the way that I wanted them to, even with him in my life. There was a major, major, major shift in my career during that time. Mm. I had start, to your point, God had started to cut certain things out of my life. I kind of made the decision that I'm no longer going to party the way that I had even partied up to that point. A lot of drinking, right? On business trips. And I traveled 150 nights a year for, for 10 years went to major sporting events, just really lived a pretty darn good lifestyle for the most part. Got to do a lot of really fun stuff, but that meant late hours. That meant bad situations I put myself into. And I'd made the decision once I committed my life to the Lord that like, I've got to start cutting these things out of my life. Otherwise I'm going to end up in the same spot again. So that had a huge impact on my work. I actually was told by my boss that you will never continue to advance your career working here if you're going to follow Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And I was, if you're going to be a Christian, you can't do what you're doing right now. And I'm like, well, that's a major problem, right? Because I was at a very high level with a fortune 500 company. And all of a sudden I'm like faced in this predicament of like, do I continue down this path? What do I do? Like, this has been our, this has been our source of income. And I've, I've spent over 20 years with this organization and to hear this, and I'm one level away from kind of that, like executive level of where it's going to have a major impact generationally on our family. So that happened, but I stayed true and I'm like, okay, I'm going to continue to to just pursue. So I had these uneasy feelings and to answer the question and why that relates is because I battled with insecurity and I didn't know it. I had been able to cover that up with arrogant pride and, and getting my way, anger and outbursts and just 
always achieving, looking for the mm-hmm. next thing to win in. And that's how I was battling my insecurity. It was really this pressure to perform that I took out on my wife. And when she stopped me from those, from being able to go achieve those things is when I would act out. That's when I would misbehave because I would be like, okay, if my wife's not going to give me this satisfaction, I'll go find it here. I'll get another promotion. I'll make more money. I'll do this. I'll do that. None of those things were the way that they, none of them lined with the fruits of the spirit at all. So in 2018, I had made the decision that this is going to be my prayer. I read Psalm 139 pretty much every day of, of 2018. And it was in this, at the back half of, of 2018, December of 2018, we were doing um, a fast because I knew there was more and I just couldn't figure out what it was. I didn't know that it was insecurity at that time. And I was on our back patio and I was praying and I'm crying and it's on the, the three day, fa- at the end of a three day fast. And I'm just like, Lord, what is it? Like, what is in the way of me and you experiencing more? I want this marriage, but it's not going the way that I wanted it to. Like, what's what's in the way? And I started to like try to audibly speak out things that I felt like were there. And here I got to this moment, ugly crying, all alone. If somebody would have walked in, they would have been like, what is wrong with this guy? Because I mean, it was bad. And I was trying to speak and words wouldn't come out. I audibly couldn't say the words that I wanted to say of like, what's in the way, God? What's there? Reveal to me. Show me. Because Psalm 139, um, and now it's blanking me, but um, test me, know my anxious thoughts, search me, oh God. And I'm like, search me, God, search me. What's in there? What's in there? And I'm starting to like say, if you have to take almost this moment of of laying down my kids, laying down everything. God, if you have to take one of my children for me to come closer to you, then do it. Take my children, take anything that you need to take away from my life for me to experience all of you. Once I audibly said those words, the it was on. Like I was like, freedom, what's going on? And I was like, I'm so insecure that I'm not gonna provide in a way that I need to provide for my family. And then I'm like, he, he told me in that moment, the only thing you need to do is stay close to me mm-hmm. and I'll provide for you. And I'm like, I've got to release all of this other stuff. And really that was the, that was the launching pad to us really starting to put our marriage back together yeah. was in 2019. So 18 months removed from the time of salvation, but staying true to the process, being connected in small groups, having people come alongside us, coaches, mentors, pastors, everybody that's just continuing to I was a, a sponge, right? I was just trying to soak yeah. up as much knowledge as I could in those moments. And then we really started to launch in 2019 mm-hmm. and figure out what it looked like to truly did, be a, go did ahead. You, did you quit your job? I did. Or did you, you did? I, I didn't do that until 2020. I started in 2019 looking for something different. Um, and I, I found a new job in, in 2020. Wow. Yeah. wow. That yeah. is God provided huge. again. Yeah, that he provided huge. again. Oh my gosh. And so the new job, you didn't have to maybe travel as much or what? You I haven't had to travel at all. I've been home every night coaching our kids in in sports. We're here together. Um, God provided another miracle in that moment because we trusted in him. We took it to prayer every single time. um, We we didn't just pray. We actually had the practical pieces as well. (laughs) I went on about a two-year journey looking for another job, the right fit. And yeah. he literally placed the perfect opportunity right in front of our eyes. Wow. Not even how we maybe thought. Yeah. And that's what still yeah. keeps us drawing near to the Lord is like, okay, 
we don't have the best plan for our lives. God, right. you do. You've shown up. Mm-hmm. Even in scripture, that's enough. Yeah. Even saving yeah. us, that's enough. But he continues to show up. And that's what's so cool is that, you well, know, you hear it with other people, but when you experience it in your own life, yes. it's just another level. It is a, you have a beautiful testimony, a beautiful story. What a testament to the power of God is all I got to say. You really have surrendered your lives and look how great. (laughs) People are so afraid to do that because they don't trust that God is really going to have their best in mind, but he does. And I love that. Thank you. Thank you. We need to wrap it up, but thank you so much for being so vulnerable and so brave to share your story and so humble <laughs> to admit, yeah. you know, yeah, I was prideful or I was angry or I was insecure. Mm-hmm. That's really, really humility right there. So I appreciate that. And I think the people that are seeing this, I feel like it gives them hope. It helps people to know that, you know, if you're willing to do the work, you don't have to get a divorce. You can keep your family together. You just, you got to humble yourself. <laughs> You've got to be willing to let God govern your life. And you, mm-hmm. you have surrounded yourself with lots of good um, accountability and mentors and people that can help coach you. That's so awesome. We, we can't do this life all by ourselves. We need, That's we need right. help. So thank you yep. again so much. And now you guys have started a coaching, your coaching marriage. What, what, is, what are you calling it? Your- yeah, Reverence Restored. We, cu- we yes. coach couples and individuals as well. So we do couples coaching together and then I coach males and Brie coaches females. Awesome. And so, and for people to be able to get a hold of you, they just you will go on your uh, social media and yep. DM you In- or whatever. Okay. Yep. Instagram is the best way at Reverence Restored. Okay. Reverence Restored. I love that. What a great name. Okay. Well, yep. you guys, thank you so much for being here today and hopefully we'll thank talk you. again in the future. Yes. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Bye. It's our pleasure. Yep.